A book on joy leaves me joyless. I disagree with how the esteemed Dr. David Jeremiah writes, but I agree with what he writes. It gives me great joy to bring you today's review. Hi, my name is Terence, and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Every month, I review Faith Life's free book of the month, and today we're looking at a free ebook for the month of February 2021. Today's book is Count It All Joy by Dr. David Jeremiah, founder and host of Turning Point for God and senior pastor of Shadow Mountain Community Church. It's a mega church of the Southern Baptist Convention that is attended by over 10,000 people a week. From Dr. Jeremiah's website, I count 80 books, including the Jeremiah Study Bible. And there are two gold medallion awards. USA Today and Wall Street Journal uh, list his books in their bestseller list. Dr. Jeremiah is 80 years old this year, which means on average one book for each year of his life. The original title of the book I'm reviewing today was Turning Toward Joy, published in 1992. In 2013, it was republished and retitled to Count It All Joy. It's the same book. Uh, Dr. Jeremiah's introduction in both books are exactly the same, and they are both dated 1992. The book theme is um, on the book of Philippians. Uh, Count It All Joy is a devotional exposition on that letter. In the introduction, Dr. Jeremiah writes, the theme of this letter is joy. The word rejoice is found nine times, the word joy four times, and the expression rejoice with two times. Even though he was writing as a prisoner, Paul was filled with joy, and that joy permeates his letter. The secret of his joy was his relationship with Jesus Christ. The letter begins and ends with the name of Jesus. This book is not Joel Austin's Your Best Life Now, Seven Steps to Living at Your Full Potential, where step number seven is choose to be happy. No, not at all, because in Dr. Jeremiah's book, we don't choose to be happy. We choose Jesus, and when we choose Jesus, we have joy in Jesus. So that is the big difference for Dr. Jeremiah's book of Philippians compared to Austin. Now, the book is organized in 12 chapters. Uh, the study on Philippians is structured as 12 chapters. So every chapter begins with the words, the joy of. So the first chapter is titled, the joy of community. The next is the joy of adversity. And this naming pattern continues until the last chapter, which is the joy of serenity. After these 12 chapters, we have the reader's guide. Nervous, uh, small group leaders will benefit from Dr. Jeremiah's guidance and tips on leading a small group study. Here you'll find chapter summaries, icebreakers, discussion questions, application questions, optional activities, prayer focus, and assignment. You have everything you need to make sure you have a good group study. Uh, in this uh, section, he encourages you to make a prayer box, and he tells you how, and to keep a journal. The questions he has are thought-provoking, and some of the questions can keep the whole group up the whole evening. Then after this, you have a chapter on footnotes and a chapter which lists the uh, commentaries. I count 23 commentaries. The oldest is Mold, 1897. 
Mayer and Ironside, uh, both published in 1920s, are frequently quoted in this book. The newer commentaries are Jim Boyce, 1971, Warren Wiersbe, 1974, and the newest is Alec Mortier's The Message of the Philippine, Philippians, 1984. This means if you are looking for a book that deals with recent scholarship or recent issues, then this is not the book for you. Having said that, newer does not mean better. A book published 100 years ago can be better written, more convicting than a book published yesterday. So there's still something uh, to be gained from reading old books. Now that you know how the book is structured, let's turn the page to chapter 1. The Joy of Community It begins with a heartwarming anecdote. Then, in prison, uh, Paul longed for the Philippians, and uh, this pain of isolation is described by a quote from Dr. John Townsend. Later on, we get a word study on what the name Paul means and the meaning of servants and saints. A paragraph quotation from Amy Carmichael, immediately after a paragraph quotation from J.I. Packer, a quote from Motier, then a quote from Maclean, an anecdote on John Newton, a poem from an unknown author, another poem from Judson Edwards, a quote from Marian Evans' letter, then a quote from C.S. Lewis. Along the way, we have word studies on pronouns, I, me, my, and also the words, the Greek background behind the words knowledge, discernment, and offense, which is scandalon in Greek. The chapter ends with an anecdote from Alan McGuinness on Viktor Frankl. Well, having heard my um, review of uh, chapter 1, what do you think? I failed to properly convey the joy of community that Dr. Jeremiah writes. But I wanted to convey to you the reading experience of chapter 1. In this book, it is evident that Dr. Jeremiah loves good writing. He quotes extensively from the Bible. He quotes extensively from other writers. He loves good writing, but in this book, doesn't offer much of his own. Reading the chapter is like reading clippings. He picks good quotes or anecdotes, and he lets these carry the burden of describing his thoughts. Or to give an example from our internet habits, reading the chapter is like reading a Facebook page. We read posts or shares which are accompanied by some comments that show how it's relevant to the whole page. Now that is a big claim. Let me support it with some evidence. Taking the first chapter as an example, I copied the whole first chapter into Microsoft Word then I highlighted the paragraphs and I categorized them as uh, anecdote, quotation, word study, Bible verse, or the author's words that are not dependent on anecdotes or quotations to carry the message. Okay? Now, according to Microsoft Word, there are around 4,000 words in chapter 1. And uh, this thing from least to most, by my estimate, 3% uh, of those words were Bible verses, 16% were uh, Dr. Jeremiah's study on the Greek word, 21% were anecdotes, 21% were quotations, 
and 40% were the author's own words that did not depend on the anecdotes or other people to carry the message, the big idea. Is this a problem? It may not. I know people who prefer reading Facebook posts than reading a book, and they might prefer a start-stop start, stop book full of anecdotes and quotations rather than a sustained building of an idea of a big uh, thought to a conclusion. If you prefer a well-written book, then this review might have saved you some time and money. But a good book is not reduced solely to writing style. We should ask the question, what is the content? Is the content true? Do you remember the list of commentaries? Dr. Jeremiah quotes them in a positive light. If you're familiar with any of the names, then you could guess the nature of his teaching. And you would be right. His teaching is uh, from the solid evangelical tradition. I can't vouch for the preacher because I don't listen to his sermons, but I can vouch for this book. What is the quick way to assess a commentary? If you are familiar with the epistle to the Philippians, you will know that there are a few flashpoint verses, verses that have caused much heat within the Christian family, for example, between Armenians and the Calvinists. But there are also verses that have been reinterpreted to support dangerous and even heretical views. Let us look at three verses from Philippians and see how does Dr. Jeremiah deal with, uh, with them. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 uh, says, uh, writes, uh, Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So Christ emptied himself. Now there is a teaching that says, Christ is divine, but because he is a man, he has no divine nature. How can Christ be divine and not have a divine nature? Maybe that's a question that you leave to theologians to argue. After all, it doesn't affect you on how you live and how you go to church and how you worship. Well, let me read to you how one author, teacher, endorses this teaching. Okay, let me read to you this one. He performed, he here meaning Jesus, Jesus performed miracles, wonders, and signs as a man in right relationship to God not as God. If he performed miracles because he was God, then they would be unattainable for us. But if he did them as a man, I am responsible to pursue his lifestyle. Recapturing the simple truth changes everything and makes possible a full restoration of the ministry of Jesus in his church. So this teacher author writes that we are responsible to pursue Jesus' miracle-performing lifestyle and it is possible for a full restoration of miracle-performing ministry in the church. Because Jesus was a man without any divine nature, just like us. And this teaching stems from a faulty interpretation of Philippians 2.7. Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now, how does Jeremiah, Dr. Jeremiah, answer this? Now, writing 30 years ago, 
he states the traditional understanding which condemns the teaching I just told you. He writes, Jesus Christ was not simply like God. He was the very nature and substance of God. All that God is, Jesus Christ was and is and ever will be. To say that Jesus was in the form of God is the same as saying that Jesus was God. End quote. Very clear. I like that. So that is his understanding of Philippians 2.7. Let's look at another one. Philippians 2 verse 12 to 13. It's, uh, it says, uh, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, if you're familiar with this passage, you will hear a bit of the debate of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Work out your own salvation. It is God who works in you. Under the chapter, The Joy of Responsibility, Dr. Jeremiah writes, The New Testament is very clear about the nature of salvation. It is not the result of man's effort, but comes through the grace of God. Later in the same chapter, he writes, God has worked in us. He is working in us. He will continue to work in us. We are to work diligently so that we might realize the benefit of all that God has done and is doing for us. Both divine enablement and human responsibility are involved. End quote. So here you see, well, you hear that uh, Dr. Jeremiah doesn't resolve the tension and he doesn't do it in his chapter of uh, God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Where does it start? Where does it end? But he states and asserts our, our traditional understanding that both are true, that both God is sovereign and humans are responsible. The last uh, Philippians verse that I wanted to check when I read this book is a famous one, and I'm sure you have heard it, uh, quoted, cited, and prayed with, okay? And that is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Alas, Dr. Jeremiah doesn't address the misuse of this verse. He doesn't write the negative case, what this verse does not mean, Instead, he writes the positive case, what this verse means. He writes on the contentment and also the people that Paul is mentioning in this chapter. So, I didn't get to uh, see how he addresses the abuse of the verse, but I am happy with what he wrote on the contentment and people. So, at the end of the day, as I finish the book, it is a book with good teaching poorly written. Now, that is a very harsh comment, I know. And how can I make such a conclusion of a book written by the esteemed, the respected Dr. David Jeremiah? His turning point reaches to untold numbers around the world. His sermons feed 10,000 people weekly. His books number 80, and he has his own study Bible. And if you look at Amazon, this book, Count It All Joy, uh, 187 reviewers um, average gave him an average of 4.7 stars. In uh, Goodreads, another uh, book review site, we had 147 reviewers 
and it ranks 4.14 stars. So there are many people who give this a 5-star review. Is there something wrong with my review? <laughs> Um, I look at uh, one of the reviewers who did not, one of the very few who did not give five stars, and he wrote, it's basically a quote book. And yes, and today, after counting all the words, I have given you evidence for that. Another reviewer, uh, Debbie from Christ Focus Book Club, writes, some parts of the study felt disconnected due to the frequent quotes and serial word studies. Later on, she kindly concludes, uh, kindly concludes, I recommend this book to those who are interested in studying Philippians and who like this uh, author's style. So maybe her last comment helps us understand the high rating for this book, the many five stars. Let me give you four reasons why I think the book scores so high despite my very low review. People like this style. Anecdotes and quotations heavy, yes, and People like that. Number two, I bash his writing style, but I wholeheartedly endorse the teaching. Maybe this is one of the rare times when substance beats style. Awesome! It should happen more often. Reason number three, Dr. Jer Dr. David Jeremiah's ministry, whether it's preaching or radio or others, has helped many, many people. And hearing his voice as they read this book, they might have overlooked the flaws. In other words, he teaches so well in other areas that his readers appreciate him and are less critical. That's good. Lastly, reason number four why the book scores high despite my low review. I suggest, or I guess, that maybe readers have not been introduced to other books on Philippians. If that is true, then let me correct that right now. <laughs> if you are a teacher who needs to go deep into Philippians, pick up one of the technical commentaries he listed or newer ones. I recommend the new international commentary on the New Testament, uh, Gordon Fee's treatment on Philippians. Okay? Uh, Count it all joy was not written for deep study, and if you do any deep study, you already knew that. If you are a small group leader and you don't want to read one thick book just to understand one letter, you like Our Daily Bread and want something like that but for Philippians. I ask that you go and get Warren Wearsby, Be Joyful. And by the way, in the acknowledgement chapter, Dr. Jeremiah actually thanks uh, Warren Wearsby for encouraging him to write uh, Count It All Joy. So I'm sure Dr. Jeremiah supports my recommendation that you get Warren Wearsby, Be Joyful. If you are looking for uh, less reading and more discussing, then uh, get this book, Philippians, The Joy of Living in Christ. It would be perfect for you. And guess who wrote it? Dr. David Jeremiah, <laughs> as part of the Jeremiah Bible Study series. Last recommendation. If you're not looking for a uh, deep technical book, you're not reading for a group, small group. You're just looking for an engaging book for personal reading, something heavy, not too heavy, something light, not too light. I recommend Don Carson's Basics for Beginners, an exposition of Philippians. I really like this book. I 
let me just read his opening chapter. All right. So this is uh, Don Carson, uh, first chapter, how he opens his book. I would like to buy about $3 worth of gospel, please. Not too much. Just enough to make me happy, but not so much that I get addicted. I don't want so much gospel that I learn to really hate covetousness and lust. I certainly don't want so much that I start to love my enemies, cherish self-denial, and contemplate missionary service in some alien culture. I want ecstasy, not repentance. I want transcendence, not transformation. I would like to be cherished by some nice, forgiving, broad-minded people, but I myself don't want to love those from different races, especially if they smell. I would like enough gospel to make my family secure and my children well-behave, but not so much that I find my ambitions redirected or my giving too greatly enlarged. I would like about $3 worth of gospel, please. And that's how uh, Dr. Carson begins his exposition of Philippians under the chapter titled, Put the Gospel First. Now that you have sport for choices on Philippians, let me make a few things clear. If you like Dr. David Jeremiah's Count It All Joy, good for you. And I mean that sincerely, not sarcastically. I strongly criticize the writing style. Uh, it's a book of quotations. But I strongly affirm what he taught, the conclusion he makes. And he makes those conclusions based on scripture, which is fantastic, really good. Having been so critical, I did wonder how his writing won awards and became bestsellers. So I dug a little deeper and I note that Count It All Joy was written in 1992, and this was one of his earliest books, either book number two or number three. I then read uh, snippets of his other books and found he still likes his stories, he still gives a lot of uh, anecdotes and so on, but the stories in his later books don't interrupt, but rather they flow with his uh, easy-to-read, warm and inviting writing. Okay, So it, he, he gets better over time. In his 40 years of writing, 80 books in all, we see the development of a novice to a seasoned writer. With that, I actually wonder whether Dr. Jeremiah might agree with my review of this book. Perhaps he would chuckle, half embarrassed, the same way we would if we look back at our earlier works, uh, writings or recordings. But there is nothing here for writer or reviewer to be embarrassed about. More importantly, both writer and reviewer agree that the joy of the believer is in Christ. Count It All Joy is a book that brings out the joy in the epistle to the Philippians through many quotations and anecdotes. While I do recommend other books, I know that many of us love a book full of anecdotes and quotations. Count It All Joy scratches that itch. And this concludes my review of Count It All Joy by Dr. David Jeremiah. Before you go, can I count on you to give me some joy today? Sorry, I meant happiness, not joy. It would make me momentarily happy if you would subscribe or write a review. 
you can also visit readingandreaders.com to contact or support me. Let me end today's episode by quoting Dr. Jeremiah, who writing 30 years ago could not foresee today's pandemic. In the introduction, the final paragraph, he writes, The reason for Paul's joy was his relationship with Christ. As we study his letter to the Philippians, we will observe the testing of that joy in the crucible of Roman imprisonment. If Paul's relationship to his master could bring him joy under those conditions, then surely we who also love the Saviour can learn to rejoice in our difficult times as well. End quote. Thank you for listening.